Um, this month, our title, our theme is the. Our theme is righteousness, righteousness, and I told you that righteousness is a very powerful thing. If you have to um, carry an anointing, you 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 cannot be anointed without righteousness. If you want to be anointed, you have to be righteous. And I talked about the fact that. The fear of God has to do with your relationship with God. But righteousness mostly has to do with your relationship with other human beings. The way you treat other human beings. Many believers erroneously, mistakenly, think that when Jesus came to die for us, he exempted us from living right. The the coming of Jesus and the concept of grace has been misunderstood by many believers to think that after you've said Jesus come into my heart, be my personal Lord and Savior and that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It means that no matter what you do or what you don't do, you will still enter heaven. It's the biggest mistake you can make. And so today, we are believers who are like unbelievers. And I remember years ago, when there were Christians in other denominations of Christianity who were living in sin, we called them unbelievers. But now, in our charismatic churches and Pentecostal churches, there are sinners who are deceiving themselves that they are saved and they are born again simply because they responded to an altar call. You know, sometimes I, I get people and they are mad at me because they say, Brother Isu did a meeting and didn't do an altar call. The truth is that I believe in an altar call, but I believe you can still respond to an altar call and you are an unbeliever. And I also believe there are people who may not have responded to an altar call, but they are living their life right and they are saved. I believe you can speak in tongues and still go to hell. I believe you can preach and still go to hell. I believe you can prophesy and still go to hell. So for me, responding to an altar call is a good thing. But it's only the beginning. In fact, to be honest with you, it's the declaration of an intent instead of the performance of an action. Because faith without works will always be dead. So the Christians, especially those of us that claim to be born again, have deceived ourselves all through the years that a life of grace means a life of lawlessness and moral looseness. So you can even find pastors who live like unbelievers and still believe to go to heaven. One day a pastor was divorcing his wife and when people tried to advise him not to divorce the wife he told us one blank. He told one pastor and he also told me so it's not a rumor. He said if divorcing his wife is what will take him to hell he's prepared to go to hell. Yeah, that's a man of God. A pastor went to court to divorce his wife. The judge said, 
I have never seen this kind of hard-heartedness. And he said, you know what? And this is coming from a pastor. So I don't know what to do. And he adjourned the case. And up to today, the case remains adjourned because the judge is afraid to even touch the matter. Now, no judge, and the judgment will come on. Because what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So he should go and break it and stand in judgment because he's going to break a marriage or declare it annulled. If I was a judge and you came to me wanting divorce, I will send you back to the pastor who pronounced you man and wife. And I will remove you from the court and take you back to the church and say, go and stand where you said for better, for worse. Go to the same place and go to the same priest who put you together and divorce it. And if you are afraid to go there, then forever remain married to the wife or the husband you think you cannot marry. This brother should preach it or teach it. I just teach it. Now, so, the teaching of Christ himself would debunk the notion that if you are born again, you can live anyhow you want and still go to heaven. He actually demanded a higher moral standard from his followers. And my message today is raising the moral standard. Raising the moral standard. Jesus actually demanded a higher moral standard from his followers. Unlike the scribes and the Pharisees, who piled up laws on others, but they themselves did not keep the commandments of God. The problem about the believers is, whilst we are busy shouting, others are unbelievers, others are not saved, others are not going to heaven, the truth is we are doing worse things. We are doing worse things. So Jesus said, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy the law but to fulfill it. For, every, for verily I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall not, shall in no wise pass from the law until all of the law. There are certain laws of moral standard and you can find them in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7. I call these three chapters of scripture the three bedroom house of the believer. The three bedroom house of the believer. Three bedroom. Matthew 5, bedroom number 1. Matthew Matthew 6, bedroom number 2. And Matthew 7, bedroom number 3. Three bedroom house of a believer. That means if you don't Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you are a homeless Christian. Turn to somebody and ask the person, are you a homeless Christian? Now, anybody who doesn't read and study and live according to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you are a homeless Christian. So stop telling yourself, I'm born again, I'm a believer. So Jesus came and he started teaching that Concerning the law, 
you have not been exempted from the law. As a matter of fact, more is demanded on you. So, I want to raise the bar. I want to raise the marking scheme. That means for you, God requires more from you. Now, look at me. Look at me. Somebody is under the law. And God said, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And that person, it was the blood of bulls and goats that was shed for the person. And God said, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And it was the blood of bulls and goats that was shed for him. And God still said, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Number two, the person had no Holy Spirit to assist him or her. And God said, thou shalt not. Number three, the person had the Old Testament without the New Testament. In other words, the person had the Torah but did not have the graphy and the rima and all that we have and did not even have the logos in the form we have it. And God still said, thou shalt not. In your case, it's not the blood of bulls and goats that were shed for you, but Jesus himself. The blood of Christ himself. You are purchased not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the blood of Jesus. It's just like if I bought a pair of shoes for five CDs and gave it to my child and said, don't wear these shoes in mud. I bought it for five CDs. Then the next period, I buy another shoe for another child for 50 Ghana CDs. The law I will give the one which was bought for 50 Ghana cities will be more severe than the one I give to the one where the shoe was bought for 5 cities. So if the one who was bought for 5 cities used the shoe in mud and I gave the person a lash on the buttocks, the one that I bought it for 50 cities, if the person uses it in mud, I will kill him. Because I bought it very expensive. So God used the blood of bulls and goats and said, anybody who sins, the soul that sinned, it shall die. Now, if it is the blood of his own begotten son, his only begotten son, that was shed, and you mess up, I tell you, your condemnation will be greater. Now, people, if you cannot clap because of introduction, then you have a long day. You have a long day. You have a long day. So Jesus came and said, I'm going to give you the depths of the commandment. The law of Moses only gave you the external observation of the law. That's why the Bible calls about. That's why the Bible talks about observing the law. It's external. But I am bringing you the depth. I, I want you to go deeper. And this time around, I'm not just looking at the law. I'm looking at the spirit behind. 
the law. So when God said thou shalt not commit adultery, what is the spirit behind that law? What is the depth of that law? So Jesus started teaching not obedience or disobedience of the law with just your body. But he started teaching on disobedience or obeying the law with your heart. So Jesus is talking about heart observance of the law and not just the, 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 the physical practicing of the law. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The texts are so long that I cannot talk about all the laws. Jesus came to raise the standard. But in my personal observation of Christendom today and where Christians are, I can pick just two of the laws and talk about them today. And I believe that the two that I talk about today can represent the other laws. Because, you know, sometimes you just need to take an example and the example can cover everything. Okay. First of all, I want to look at the law of murder. Everybody say the law of murder. Come on, shout it again, the law of murder. Now, murder is often described as the unlawful premeditated killing of one human being by the other. The unlawful premeditated killing of one person by the another. So it is normally viewed as the termination of one's life by another person. So if you kill somebody, it means you've terminated the person's life. Now Jesus came in and said, murder is not just the physical termination of life. It is more than that. He said, the thing has to do with the state of your heart. More than the knife with which you kill somebody with your hand. So he's teaching that I'm raising the moral standard of murder. That murder is not just when you have killed a person. But you have heard them say in the peop- among the people of the old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in the danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka. Raka means, O empty one, or thou worthless person. Empty one, or worthless person. If you say to your brother, Raka, you will be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. So if you look at your neighbor and say you are a fool, you will be in danger of hellfire. Because when you say thou fool, you are insulting the maker and the creator of that fool. That person you just called the fool was created by God. And when you say that to the person, you are in danger of hellfire. So Jesus is saying, when you are angry or you are bitter or you are unforgiving, they are equivalent to committing murder. So there are many killers here who think they are not killers, but you have killed. That is why the law courts are not jailing enough people. Because the people they have jailed for murder are only 1% of the murderers in the society. In fact, if God wants to jail people for murder and comes to this room 
and is looking for people who are angry with others without a cause. Number two, they are calling somebody a fool. And number three, they are calling somebody raka. If God brings that standard of judgment to this house, many of us here will end up in jail. Now, the reason why anger without cause is dangerous is that you you literally kill people when you are angry with them. Number one, you deny them affection. You deny them affection. For example, let's assume that a, a mother is angry with a child and the child is a breastfeeding, breastfeeding child. If you are angry with the child, it means that you will not give the child breast milk. So eventually, the child will die. So being angry with somebody, you immediately start withdrawing some things from the person. And by withdrawing the things from the person, you kill the person. If it's a marriage, you will deny your husband sex. You will deny your wife sex. You will deny the money to, for upkeep. If you are angry with your child, you will deny the child school fees. If you are angry with your father and your mother, you will deny them maybe monthly remittance and the money you should give to your father and your mother to sustain them. You will not do it. If you are angry with somebody in a church, you won't do what you are supposed to do. If you are angry with anybody, you withdraw some things from the person and by withdrawing those things from the person, you end up killing the person. So, anger with somebody is tantamount to murder because of the things the anger will make you do. Then again, when you are angry with people, you crucify them with your tongue. You use your tongue and you gossip. You use your tongue and you blackmail. You use your tongue and you lie against them. You destroy their reputation, leaving them practically dead because life without your reputation is equivalent to death. The person is alive, but you've used your tongue to destroy them completely. So they are walking about and all their respect is gone because you use your tongue out of anger and you destroy them. When you are angry with somebody, the other thing is that you are likely to wish them evil. And even if you hear that they are dead, you will rejoice. So you and a murderer are the same. Can I ask this question? How many murderers are in this room now? Murderer? Yeah, murderer. Turn to somebody sitting by you and say, I hope you are not a murderer. Come on, tell another person, I hope you are not a murderer. Okay, so that, that is the law. That is the law of murder. And Jesus is saying, I'm raising the moral standard. I'm escalating this thing. I'm, I'm taking this thing higher than where it's supposed to be. Because many of you think you have not killed, but you have actually killed. And you know what? One day people will go to hell and the God will say, you killed somebody. And they say, Lord, I was on earth. I never killed somebody. And God will start mentioning all the people you were angry with, including your own wife. So you have actually killed your wife. You've killed your husband. You've killed your children. You've killed your parents. You've killed a church member. Am I talking to somebody? Attempt a clap. But the second law is the law of adultery. Adultery is normally defined as 
illicit sex with a married individual or by a married person with another person, single or married. So, if you do sexual intercourse with somebody who is not your wife, but the person is married, the thing is regarded as adultery. But when I look at the text that Jesus gave, and let's read the things Jesus said about adultery. Matthew chapter 5 and the verse number 27. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee, for it is more profitable for you to, for that one of your members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Now, you stop this one and go back to the verse 27. Just go back to verse 27. Because I will come back to this right eye and um, right hand thing. You have heard that the people of old time said thou shalt not commit adultery. And Jesus is talking about the fact that the people of old time, they told you don't commit adultery. And what they meant is that a married person should not sleep with another person. But I'm telling you that the moral standard is higher than that. Just as murder it's not physical killing, but you can kill in your heart when you have not killed with your hands. In the same way, you can commit adultery with your heart when your body has not committed the adultery. Because whosoever looks at a woman, verse 38, to last after her, has committed adultery with her already in his heart. So if you are here and you've ever looked at a woman and some hormones or something passed through your brain you have committed adultery how many adulteresses are here beaucoup those who are clapping may God save you from adultery so what Jesus is saying is that the culprit of adultery is not the traditional sexual organs, but the culprit of adultery is the heart. Because the eyes lead to the heart. And by implication, the ears lead to the eyes. And the nose leads to the eyes. Yesterday I was discussing this thing with mommy. And mommy said, so the eye can commit adultery. I said, yes, because... The ear. Mommy says so the ear can also commit adultery apart from the eye. I say yes because the ear when it is very adulterous and immoral, it likes to listen to profane music. And while they listen to the profane music, their sexual senses are aroused and it's the same hormones that are released in them. And then the nose there are people that are so sexually perverse that they smell sexual things and they are happy. When you know what people who are sexually perverse can do. One day a certain man told me, he said, um, Reverend, one of my biggest weaknesses is the fingers of women. Women's fingers can tempt you. 
when we're in tech, we had this boy, this young man who had an abnormal condition. When we are going for lectures, he himself confessed it to us and we had to pray for him. When we are going for lectures, he walks behind women, he looks at them until he masturbates. So he may say he's never committed adultery, but he can look at women and get to the climax where a man gets to. He ejaculates while he's watching the women. 